You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. despite his best efforts, will always be Ted, the intellectually challenged team from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He'd acted in several films prior to this, however, it was Bill and Ted which elevated his popularity to such a level that he was able to pick and choose his next roles. He fought to shake the Ted persona by appearing in a slew of more dramatic roles, such as My Own Private Idaho and even Much Ado About Nothing. For a while, he seemed to have found his niche as an action hero, both in Speed and then later on in The Matrix. People are accepting of heroes not burdened with an overabundance of intelligence, and though Reeves may himself be a smart man, he doesn't always come off as such on screen. During the filming of The Matrix trilogy, Reeves trained in martial arts, and it appeared that last year he decided he would show off what he'd learned. He both acted and directed Man of Tai Chi, his directorial debut, and appeared in 47 Ronin, the classic 18th century tale, which to this day shapes Japan. Sadly, he butchered both of these. This is not just a popular opinion, it's pretty much an agreed-upon consensus. The Rotten Tomatoes score for The Man of Tai Chi is 70, surprisingly. However, the user score is 50. The Metacritic for Man of Tai Chi is 53, while the user score is 6.1 out of 10. Whereas with 47 Ronin, we're looking at a Rotten Tomatoes score of 13 with a user score of 52 and a Metacritic score of 29 with a user score of 6.2. Now, my main reason for choosing these films was twofold. One, to pay Vince back for all of the horrible comics which he's made me read over the years for our comic book and former podcast. And two, because sometimes it's more fun to tear apart bad movies than it is to compliment good ones. Now, I saw I'm your tweet. really interested in finding the alternate universe where Bill became the big action star. Really, <laughs> and he's awesome. <laughs> All the time. That's what we need. I saw your tweet where you were saying after you were watching 47 Ronin that we're even, to which I replied that you're ever, you're adorable, don't ever change. Uh, because no, we're not, not even by a long shot even. So we'll start with Manataichi because it is, it's actually a better movie than 47 Ronin. I think we can agree to that. I'm not, not about to say that it's a good movie, but it is better than 47 Ronin. I actually liked a lot of aspects of Man of Tai Chi. And honestly, as far as directorial debuts go, you can definitely do a lot worse, as we'll discuss later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he made some good decisions. I mean, uh, the actual fights were very good because he brought in Yen Wo Ping, who is, of course, the legend in martial arts fight choreography. But then he also, the worst decision he made was casting himself in the movie. Yeah. I think that we can agree that in in nearly every case, the worst decision you can make is casting Keanu Reeves. <laughs> like, I mean, he just 
you look back over the roles he's done and it, again in some cases he is quite good because he fits that role i had loved him in my own private idol he was fantastic but you look at him in so many other roles and it's like he it's keanu reeves <laughs> he's not acting as anybody else it's he comes off as that Ted persona. So I'm beginning to think Keanu Reeves is a sociopath <laughs> because he's completely incapable of demonstrating much range emotion, of emotion. Yeah. And like, at first I thought that might've worked with him as a villain because, you know, I can imagine, you know, the emotionally detached villain and somehow he even made that fall flat here. I don't think he can pull off villain at all. I, I, I did not think so prior to watching this, and then as I'm watching it too, he just he just can't pull it off. Again, it's it's one of those where I I can appreciate that an actor wants to really fight against the typecasting that they've received, and I I can respect that that's a really terrible thing for actors to have to suffer. Especially in the case where something like this, you're you're fighting against a moronic teen image kind of thing. But the problem is, is that if you exude that so much, <laughs> then it's bound to follow you in all of your roles. Again, he he was fantastic in Speed, but again, not overburdened with an abundance of intelligence that character, and so he fit it perfectly. And again, mm-hmm. he might very well be a very smart man. I mean, he has to have some brains to have been this successful over this many years. It can't all be luck. So I, I can appreciate that. But it's just some roles he doesn't pull off. And the very intelligent, very conniving villain of Manatai Chi is not something that he can pull off. And also it just... It, it spits in the face of everything else that the movie is supposed to be. And it's not to be, you know, racist or anything. But if you're going to have a movie, an Asian movie with Asian action stars, Asian actors, and it's primarily based on a lot of philosophies found there, and then you just shove in Keanu Reeves as the villain, it just doesn't fit. It just is, it's... It it's jarring when you're watching it, and it's like, ugh, come on! And it feels like because he was a director, he just decided to slap himself in whatever role he wanted. Honestly, that didn't bother me that much. I mean, it's not uncommon for to see a movie made in the East feature a a Western villain. I just couldn't get over it. And then also, when you're seeing him in the fight scenes, <laughs> yeah. When when you're seeing with what Tiger Hugh Chen can do, which is astounding, it, it'd be like him fighting a grade school kid to steal their candy. You know, that lollipop is mine and taking it and walking away. There ain't nothing that kid can do. So when you're seeing Keanu going up against him, it's like, oh, my God. God, you can see how it was choreographed to make it look like he could stand a chance in hell. And it makes you think back to all those fight scenes in the Matrix that either A, didn't feature Keanu Reeves, or B, relied heavily on CG to make up for it. Yeah, like for some of the the quote-unquote moves, some of the, 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 the things that he does, I can appreciate 
that he's got, you know, for, for some of them, he's got a good stance. He, he, he has good movement. He has, you can see the strength in some of what he's doing. And that's not to say that I'm anywhere near what, you know, Tiger can do or not even remotely, but at least I can appreciate and see, okay, I can see here where it's fairly decent, but that's nothing. I mean, when you, again, when you see what Tiger can do in this movie, it's, it's then anticlimactic when you get to the end. So the story for this, for folks who haven't seen it and who won't be bothering to watch it, is that you have Tiger who plays this Tai Chi student that essentially is rebelling against his master from the, the get-go. And he wants to explore more of the emotion and, and, and whatnot in it and take part in different contests to push himself and to... Um, to essentially let people see what Tai Chi can be. This is actually a true fact. People look at Tai Chi and they think old people in the park. Tai Chi is actually a brutal style of martial arts when you break down what it is. And if you speed it up, a lot of the movements, it is insanely dangerous. I've actually gotten to see Tai Chi masters do that, where they perform all of the movements, but at the speed that you would see a karate master do theirs or things like that. And it it's nuts. And I've seen them go up against for demonstrations other styles where they use the principles of Tai Chi only sped up to such a way to defend themselves or whatever. And it is. It's absolutely crazy how dangerous and effective it is as well. So this student is using that and he is invited to take part in some underground fighting by Reeves's character. Now, initially he's saying no, and then there's all kinds of politics behind the, the scenes wherein he needs to raise some money to save the temple because that's there's a development corporation that wants to have the land and whatnot. So in order to get the money, he works with Reeves's character who pays him handsomely, and then he starts descending into this quote-unquote, you know, evil stereotype persona where he's enjoying it and things like that. Before it gets too far, he decides he's going to leave. He brings the cops in to, um, to help take him down, the organization down. And then, of course, Reeves gets away. And then there's the final climactic, anti-climactic fight scene at the temple where Tiger fights Reeves. And that's it in a nutshell, people. <laughs> and it's that final fight where it's building up to mm-hmm. this so much. But you see Reeves fight a little bit before that. And you realize, ooh, this is, what the hell's the big deal here? He's a big, tall, 50-year-old American. <laughs> yeah. And then, and so when you see then at the, actually, he's Canadian. <laughs> I don't take pride in that. Even worse. <laughs> um so then when it gets to the big fight scene at the end then at the temple where and the cinematography I will say this for the, the entirety of the movie the cinematography is quite good and it has to be to accommodate the fight scenes and to, to do a good job and when you're seeing the cinematography at the temple and things like that it's gorgeous it's well done you should be sucked right in and just on the edge of your seat but you're really not it's basically you're thinking just how bad is Keanu Reeves going to get pummeled here? And of course, <laughs> he gets pummeled by dark, secret energies of Tai Chi. No, seriously, I'm not making that up. So, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> I, I mean, all that said, I actually would like to see more of what Reeves can offer behind the camera. Because what you said, a lot of the set design, a lot of the technical aspects of the movie, I thought were fairly well handled, especially for a first-time director. Yeah, but I, like, I, I, I don't – not to interrupt you there, but mm-hmm. you can keep going after. I don't think you can use that as an excuse because if you look as his, at his filming pedigree, there are, there are a number of good films – and there are just a number of films. So this isn't like, you know, when ah, – damn it. What's his name? What's his name? Uh, good Will Hunting. Uh, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. This isn't ben like Affleck. when Matt Damon came out of nowhere, had never done anything, and then brought that out. You know, it's not like True. other uh, directors who he's, – He's been around. For that's right. He has this history. So you can't use this – well, it's his first director. Nah, I don't buy that. He's been around long enough that he should have done better. And while cinematography was good, uh, choreo- choreography was good with the exception of Reeves himself, he decided to just work with cliche-ridden scripts – and then decided to cast himself in as well. So, I, I, really, how much intelligence is there in doing in, in harming your film like that? I, I, I'm not going to say it was a great film. I'm not going to say it was a good film. But there were definitely parts of the film that I greatly enjoyed. As, as, as an action movie, I thought it was fairly successful up until the end. Really now? Yeah. And I said, I, I put a lot of that on Yen Wo Ping, not necessarily Reeves. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, but I look at the, um, the, the, the fight he had against the, the two guys, the two-on-one fight. And I said, there is some great camera shots in there. But there was also a lot of good, like, lighting work and whatnot in that fight. That, that comes from the director. Like, how the fight was set up of you have these two guys who look similar, but obviously have two vastly different styles. And how they throw Tiger off balance through lighting by making the two people who were in different costumes suddenly look the same. So you can't tell which one's coming as a fighter and as a viewer. I, that, that fight was really awesome from beginning to end all around. A lot of the fights were, mm-hmm. but I said that one in particular shows off a lot of different filmmaking aspects that led to it. Yeah. But this is where you could then argue that, all this proves is that Reeves would be a one-trick pony and that he can choreograph really good fight scenes. He could film really good fight scenes. There's a hell of a lot more to a good martial arts film than just the fight scenes. And anybody who's seen really good martial arts films knows that, whereas a lot of people dismiss the genre thinking, ah, this is, you know, guys jumping up kicking, don't realize that a really good one will have a phenomenal story as well. It doesn't have to be a, a very intricate one either. It could be simple at its core, but it still has to be something that's better done. And this one here, I thought the script was severely lacking. And then, again, the, the choices that he made, namely putting himself in and, and the script writing of the, the ending and whatnot, tore apart any little bit of good that was in the film. Again, my opinion, but that's, that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is, overall, if two movies were to come out next year, one starring Keanu Reeves and one directed by Keanu Reeves, oh, Jesus. I, I can tell you which one I would be more interested in sight unseen. Without a doubt, without a doubt. See, what's funny is that I 
I compared this very much for analogy with how I felt about Pacific Rim. And it's funny because there's several people that I follow on Twitter who just recently saw it. So we've been chatting a little bit more about it and whatnot. It's the same thing where you could say, man, the fight scenes were incredible. The CGI for the fight scenes was just insane. It was great. But then everything else was lacking. And so that's how I saw this film here too. And unfortunately, despite the fact that there's supposed to be implied tension throughout the film, more often than not, I found it quite boring. Yeah, I was never really drawn into any of the characters. So, I mean, yeah. the, mo- the most interesting character to me was the police detective, but even that's not saying much. Yeah. And see, this is then segueing into 47 Ronin. One of the biggest complaints that people have about that movie as well was that they were bored senseless, senseless throughout. So here's one that was butchered in reviews. And I'd like to come to its defense, but I can't. Because it was justifiably that terrible, in my opinion. The, I, I understand wanting to do a modern or a different retelling of an existing, whether it's a fable or whether it's something that actually happened. And, you know, paying homage to it while telling a story that's a little bit different. But this was not that. This was, there were so many things with this that, that bothered me that just basically was a slap in the face to the power that is the original story of the 47 Ronin. We've talked about previously in our first episode when I was discussing Samurai 7 and how that took a classic story. I mean, not historical like 47 Ronin, but still a very classic story in Japanese pop culture and completely reinterpreted it. You put in, you know, giant robots and all kinds of ludicrous aspects, but the core still remained respectful. Like nothing changed thematically. So when you come to 47 Ronin, the fact that they put in witches and dragons and, and all the supernatural aspects, that itself isn't the problem. It's the fact that all of that seemed to be put into the movie specifically so that they could put a white guy at the center of the narrative. That's where it becomes a problem. And see here, he didn't actually direct this. Um, so you can't really blame him for shooting himself in there. But it is something we're in. When he is added as the 47th Ronin Mm. during that scene, you're like, oh, come on. Really? So for people who, for people who don't, haven't watched this interpretation, basically there is much like the, the, the story, a Lord who is disgraced by being murdered. And so the Ronins or the samurai, I should say under his, uh, who work for him become Ronin and then fight to bring honor to not just the Lord, but their, their, uh, their area, everything, all of their people by going after the, the people who have killed him. And so here you have though, Keanu Reeves, who plays Kai, who is this 
they keep calling him a half breed, half Japanese, half British, and he is found by the Lord as well as a group of samurai that are with him and the Lord decides to, to raise him. And then you find out later on he's, he's treated like crap by everyone for being half breed. And then you find out later that he was actually running from these forest guardians and all this crap there as well, which anyways. (laughs) And so when they go off to then fight the, the other Lord who is was responsible for the Lord's de- death, he becomes one of them finally because they too are now all Ronin. They are masterless samurai, so they're no longer samurai. So, And because of his actions, of course, they welcome him in. It is so full of freaking cliches, it's unbelievable. And, and it... The acting, is, as you would expect to a certain degree... way over the top in some cases to the point where it's it takes you out instead of immersing you in some of the acting like the 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 evil lord what the hell is his name again i can't remember right like he is actually so understated in his quote-unquote evilness kind of thing he's not the lord he's so understated that i dug him he was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like, okay, I, I can feel that there's, you know... There, Plus, there, he just had that look. Yeah, there's evil within, and you are... And how he acted very calmly, you know, beat the crap out of the guy. You know, and jail that guy for a year. All of it, very, very... He, you can you know he's a badass, but there's also a, a vulnerability that when he is running away scared... You believe he's scared. And so it fits. Like I again I thought very well rounded, again, quote unquote villain that that works. So there were some acting jobs that were really quite good. And and then you have Zombie Boy, who's in the poster, has his own poster as well in the movie for 30 seconds less than a minute he's in the movie <laughs> i saw that I remember when he showed up i was excited i was like oh cool we're finally gonna get to see this guy yeah i saw it I was like all right cool so what's this gonna be now and then it was done i'm going oh tell me there's more and then they escape from there and i'm like no way that he's in the goddamn posters and he's in the movie for 30 seconds I mean, going back to the acting, I mean, one of the the biggest issues with that is, I mean, to their credit, with the exception of Keanu Reeves, pretty much everybody in this movie was an actual Japanese actor. The problem is most of them didn't speak English. (laughs) So it it, it comes across in the delivery of the lines. And, you know, some were capable of it a little better than others, but... And when you when you have any you know, an occasional character like uh, Ken Watanabe, who we see so frequently in uh, a lot of Christopher Nolan's movies, I would assume by this point he's kind of learning English. But for the majority of his film roles, he was given the script phonetically, like he didn't know exactly what he was saying. But you know, as an isolated member of the movie, you can make that work. But when the entire cast has that same delivery, you really notice it, and that's that's a big part of what made this movie come across so flat and uninteresting. Well, that's something that I noticed immediately, and and 
I know that the reason they did that is they wanted the wider appeal. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't – they know that as soon as you slap subtitles, you are writing off a very large percent of viewers who do not want to read subtitles during the movie, which we're not even going to go into how stupid that is. Yeah, um, over it. Uh, yeah so there's – but it's noticeable immediately. And like you're saying too, like when you don't speak the language and you're just told the words that you have to speak, inflection is everything. So not being able to understand where the inflection needs to be and the tonality and everything plays a huge part in delivery, like you're saying. So when you're reading these moments that are supposed to be tense for whatever reason and they're not because of that, it – oh my god, it's – the movie falls flat on its face. And I mean that's just one of the big big problems with it too the the story too is another one i mean it uh, some people are all right with the fantasy elements being tossed in whereas i found them extremely again for lack of a better term extremely cheesy corny Mm -hmm. just falling on old tropes instead of coming up with something more original and and it held back the the story doesn't need help. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it goes without saying. So, yeah, when you're looking at the story, which is, again, something that has shaped Japan for so long and continues to. <laughs> and I, I love how at the end they put the little... Uh, oh, God. <laughs> like, the little historical fact up at the end to pretend like they were just the next in the long line of these great respectful stories. <laughs> I laughed when I read that. I, <laughs> so, you, so they show this big fantasy, you know, dragons and, and magic. And then at the end say, yeah, that was a true story. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> and see, what's funny too is that it's like you said too. It, it didn't need Reeves in it. It really didn't need Reeves in it. Had they given us the story of 47 Ronin. And fine, you want to use fantasy elements to further enhance the bad people in the game. Okay, fine, whatever. Game. (laughs) Sorry, movie. (laughs) Uh, Fine, whatever. Slap it in. Okay. But keep that entire storyline of Reeves and the, 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 the Lord's daughter completely out of it it has no place keep it completely out and make the story about the 47 ronin wanting to avenge their lord's wrongful death and the show while i doubt it would have scored in the 70 percentile (laughs) would not be a 13 Mm percent See, I, I've actually read a lot of the uh, like the behind-the-scenes aspects of this, and from what I understand, that was actually their original intention. And I, I believe Universal was the uh, production studio on this. They just got so worried about you know losing money that they were constantly rewriting the script. Even after the movie was filmed, they pulled an amazing Spider-Man and basically changed the entire movie through the editing process, making Keanu's character more and more important because they felt they needed that star power to make the film work. Now, of course, 
throughout all of this, while they're editing and re-editing, the movie came out like two years after it was initially supposed to because of all this mess. They're just spending more and more and more money, putting themselves farther and farther in the hole. So they ended up in their process of trying to make the film more marketable. They probably lost more money in that effort than they would have made if they just put it out as is. Well, to date, if I'm not mistaken, it's lost over $150 million. Sounds about right. Lost that much. That's that closes down studios. Like <laughs> if you're a smaller studio, that's it. You're done. Pack up everything. Like that's an insane loss for for a movie. We've seen that before with some blockbuster titles, but they were blockbuster titles. Green Lantern. What's that? Green Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> this was not ever going to be that kind of blockbuster mm-hmm. movie regardless of what they may have hoped for. They knew that it could not possibly that much be be that huge. So then when you're looking at how much money they kept sinking into it, again, the, to just cut their losses at some point and proceed with what they had would have been the smartest thing they could have done. Yeah, I, I would actually be interested in seeing some of like the earlier cuts of this movie and just as out of curiosity, seeing you know what all they did with it. Because apparently there's a completely different version of the film that came out in Japan. Oh, really? Yeah. That I didn't know. Yeah, I'd like to see that one. God. I, nobody in Japan liked it either, so <laughs> <laughs> take from that what you will. <laughs> All right, any closing thoughts? Can we watch something good next time? We are, actually. Our next episode is going to be awesome, and you're going to have to actually start watching like now to get caught up if you're not already. I'm not going to say what it is, but I already kind of told you what it was going to be. Yeah. So next week is going to be actually, not next week, but in two weeks, we're actually going to have a ton of fun. This is actually, we're talking about something that's awesome, continues to be awesome, and just hint it's a TV show. This season, oh my God. I have freaking jaw-droppingly cool all the time. So very much looking forward to that one. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to stop by the site at Popcorn Ronin and let us know what you thought about these films. And with that, we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. TV and anime reviews, please make sure to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out their comic book informer podcast and Internet Dragons TV gaming videos. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, manellijamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. Mm-hmm.